Good. And I want to talk about the nativity story or an aspect of it. That story that at Christmas time we tell one another. It's a story about Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, coming into the world to rescue us from our sin. It's the story of the light of the world coming in to shine light into the darkness. It's the story of the Son of God coming into the world as a baby. And there are a few elements of this nativity story. You probably know there's the element involving Mary and Joseph, who um, God said, you're going to be the parental guardians of the saviour of the world. And you can imagine how hard that must have been for them. And yet they bravely took it on and did a magnificent job at it. And then you've got the story of the shepherds, which Paul was talking about earlier on. The shepherds, and they see the glory of, of, of an angel, and, and, they, and they wanna, like, they're full of fear. And yet the, the angel says, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. Today in the town of Bethlehem, a saviour has been born. And as a result, they run over to Bethlehem and they see the Saviour and they think to themselves, I can't keep this silent. And they run back out onto the streets and tell everyone that would listen to them that the Messiah has been born. They're the first people ever to have preached the gospel. And uh, so you've got that story. And then you've got the story of the three wise men or three or ten or however many. Or we might call them the Magi from the East. And we don't know much about that story, but I want to look at it today. The Magi story fascinates me because it's really odd. It kind of, it kind of just stands out in the Bible. Dave talked about this a, a little moment ago, but the Bible is basically the story of God's relationship with humankind. And in particular, it's the story of God's relationship with the people of Israel, God's chosen people. And eventually the people of Israel became known as the Jews. And in the Bible, you fit into one of two camps. You are either a Jew or you're a Gentile or a pagan. And, uh, and this story basically talks about how, how God had a relationship with the Jews and how sometimes they were close to God and sometimes how they drifted away from God. And the Jews for years and years and years had been waiting for their promised Messiah to come. Someone to come and free them, to liberate them from, from the pain of being oppressed. And so they were waiting and waiting. And the reason I find the story about the Magi really fascinating is because when the Messiah finally comes in the book of Matthew, the, one of the first stories we get is not about Jewish people recognising the Messiah, but it's about those pagan, stargazing people finding the Messiah. And it makes me wonder, I wonder why Matthew decided to put that story so early on. I wonder why God wanted this to happen so early on. And the reason is because God wanted us to know that the Messiah was not just going to be a Messiah for the Jewish people, but he was going to be the Messiah for the whole world. Very exciting. So no one knows much about the Magi. They're not in the Bible before we read their story. There's about 15 verses in, in, about them, and then you don't hear about them at all afterwards. What we do know is that they came from the east. The east of where? The east of Jerusalem. And you don't have to go too far east of Jerusalem to find yourself in the continent of Asia. Has anyone here, put your hand up if you're from the continent of Asia. We've got a few. 
I just want to say this. You found the Messiah before Europe. <laughs> you did. Often people look at, at Christianity and they think it's a, a kind of Anglican, American religion. They think it's a Western religion. But it's not. The Messiah didn't come for the Jews or just for the Jews. The Messiah didn't just come for the West. The Messiah came for the whole world. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. I think that's something worth celebrating and being excited about. So what we do know about these Magi is that they are called Magi. That's an interesting word for them. We also know that they came from the East and we also know that they bring these gifts These kind of diplomatic gifts. Do you know if, if someone goes to see a queen or a king in another country, they, they take the best products, the best things of, of that country and give them to the king. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And in some ways you kind of look at it and you think, what these guys brought was the best of their nation. And this doesn't, this doesn't matter too much, but it's a, it's a little bit interesting. Um, the reason... Uh, sorry, the... Um, I've lost my notes, sorry. The, yeah, so, so basically people have been guessing for years where, where these guys came from and looking at all the different bits of evidence, people think, well, they probably either came from Persia or Arabia just because of all the different things that they brought. And so it's not actually that important, but I thought it just helps us as we kind of start thinking about this story. And so I want to start the story. And where's the best place to start a story? from the very beginning. So before the star comes, I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine a group of uh, caravans or maybe camels, people just walk going around on, uh, around the different places, different countries. And they, these people, they love the night time. And they love the night because as they look up in the stars, they love just to spend time gazing on them and trying to work out the questions of the universe as they look at them. And they also use these stars to navigate from one place to another. And so they love, they love the evenings. And I want you to imagine as they looked up at those skies and there, there's no like, light pollution or fog. It's all just, they can see it all. The glory, the wonder of these space. You wouldn't be surprised if every now and then they asked themselves, I wonder where all this comes from. I wonder if there's anyone out there. I wonder if there's somebody who's, who's kind of come up with this whole idea. You can imagine them looking up there in, in the skies and just thinking, man alive, I've seen some amazing bits of, of, of art in my life. I've seen beautiful pictures, I've seen wonderful sculptures, but I've never seen anything as glorious as, as this. I've heard music that's moved my soul, but man, when I look at this, it's like it speaks to the bottom of my heart. It's just glorious. You can imagine them asking, where has all this come from? And of course today, we know so much more than they did because of technology. So we know that we are on a ball of rock that's going around and around our sun. And as beautiful and magnificent as our sun is, it's only an average-sized star in a galaxy of more than 200 billion stars in our galaxy. And our galaxy is only one of 200, somewhere between 200 and 400 billion galaxies in the, youth, in the um, universe. And surely sometimes that makes you wonder, where does this all come from? How did this all happen to be? 
Today, today we know so much about the universe like the unlikelihood that we exist today. The balance of the universe is so finely tuned that if, if we were a little bit close to the sun or a little bit further away, there wouldn't be life as we know it. And so we can ask the question, how does that happen? Now, all the latest science, sciences like physics, astrophysics, cosmology, cosmology, all their experts, all the experts in those fields would say the odds of us being here alive today are negligible. It's, it's so unlikely. And so we turn to a mathematician and we'll say to them, well, tell us, what are the odds of us being alive today? And here's their answer. This is John Lennox. He says, the odds of there being a universe in which life can be created or sustained is 1 in 10 to the power of 59. <laughs> There's no gasps, so I thought I would uh, try and demonstrate it for you. That's why we've got this here. Now, I used to be very good at darts, and <laughs> I had a nickname, it was Tetley, that was my, that was my darts name, but, um, <coughs> but I've given up for now. So I thought, in order to demonstrate what this means, I would invite the best person I know at darts, and so I want you, you to give a round of applause to Mr. Peter Samuel. Yeah. Well done. Right, Peter Samuel, are you good at darts? Yeah, I'm pretty good. You're pretty good. <laughs> Better than dads, anyway. Oh, okay. Okay. So, okay, normally if you, if you know darts, you kind of, you're about six foot away. We've not, we've not measured that, okay? Be careful of the instruments, please. Do you think you'll be able to sh hit it from there with, without hitting any of the instruments? I think so. Is that all right? Okay, okay. Does he, can he get a practice? Give him practice. One practice. Go on, here we go. But just the board. Okay, right. That's enough practice. Okay, right. <laughs> so 20, the number, tw the number 20 is at the top here, okay? What do you think the odds are of Peter Sam hitting number 20 in three shots? Who reckons he can do it? Okay, do you reckon you can do it? Okay, all right. Let's give him a go. Wait, 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 wait. There's a lot of people watching you. So <laughs> <laughs> there we go. He normally plays in his front room. Oh, should have said the bullseye. Oh, oh. Okay, right. We're gonna do it. We'll do another challenge. Okay, he didn't quite get that. This is slightly more risky. What would happen if I doubled the distance you had to throw? What down there? Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. I'll, I'll stand here. You ready? Go on, give it a go. Down you go. Down you go. No, 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 down there. Down there. What do you reckon? Is he going to hit the board? Yeah. Go on him. Oh. Way. Go on, one more. Wow. Give him a round of applause. That's good. That's it. Thank you. It's come out of my bed for that. Well, well done. Okay, <laughs> let me read this to you. If Peter Samuel took a dart and aimed it at a target one inch wide, but that target was 20,000 million light years away, 
the chances of him hitting that target are 1 in 10 to the power of 59. The odds of there being a universe in which life is possible is 1 in 10 to the power of 59. Now this doesn't prove that there is a God, but surely it makes you ask the question, are we really going to trust those odds? Or could there be something behind all of this? You see, the scientific conclusion that a lot of people come to, the so-called rational conclusions of Hawkins and Dawkins and Hitchens and anyone that sounds like that, (laughs) (laughs) is that we just got lucky. But my, I, I just think, man, is that really that rational? I've been, play, I've been at the pub a lot, so I've, got a dart, I've had darts and now I've got some cards. I want you to imagine, just for a moment, we're playing poker. I don't play poker, I promise. We're playing poker, and, and I deal every time. And every time I deal, I get brilliant cards. I get an ace every time. And every time I deal, you get a rubbish card. And I get a good card, and you get a rubbish card. And I get a good card, and you get a rubbish card. The first time that happens, you might think, Chris, you got lucky there. But if it happened again and again and again, you'd start thinking, you've been fixing this, haven't you, Chris? (laughs) That's the logical, that's the rational explanation of what's happened. And so I can't prove that God exists, but the more science and technology reveals to us the things of God and, and reveals to us the universe, the more I'm inclined to say there must be a designer behind you. There must be something behind this. I don't like the odds. I prefer the idea that actually God's been doing something. And so I want you to imagine, I haven't really talked about the story yet, anyway. Um, I want you to imagine they're looking up in the sky and suddenly they see a star that they have never seen bef- bef- before. And when they see that star, for some reason, they think, oh, well, there's the star of the king of the Jews. So, being wise men, they get up and they go to Jerusalem, the capital city, the Jewish capital city, to see the new baby. And when I think about that, I often ask myself, I wonder why the Magi looked at that star and, uh, you know, they're just stargazers, pagans from another nation. Why did they look at that star and think, well, that's the star of the king of the Jews? What made them think that? And, and actually, I think what's happened in there is that God, by his grace, has spoken to them. He has revealed something to them in a way that they would understand. See, I think God knew that a star would be something that would grab their attention so that he could lead them to Christ. And, you know, in, in this room, there are, there are scores of Christians, and all of us in some way, our attention was grabbed by God in order to lead us to Christ. And there'll all be different reasons. There's all different reasons why we came to know Jesus. Maybe there's someone here who was just looking down a, um, a microscope and, and they were looking at just some of the, the amazing things that you see at just a micro le- level and thought, wow, there's so much order, there's so much design that appears to have gone into this particular bit of DNA or whatever it is. And, and then they're just like, well, there must be a God behind this. Maybe someone else, it's a completely different experience. Maybe you were just on your knees. You had had enough. You needed God to break in and you cried out and he heard your cry. 
And from that day, you said, I am giving my life to Jesus. Maybe there's people here that were reading through the Bible, maybe reading through the Psalms, and all of a sudden you read something that you just thought, man, this resonates deeply within my soul. No one understands me like this seems to understand. And that just grabbed your attention and you said, I'm going to go and find Christ. See, some people, it's a revelation of sin in their life. They become aware that the way they're living their life is not pleasing to God. And they know that God's saying, I didn't create you to live like that, to be controlled by that addiction or to do that much damage to yourself. See, God grabs people's attention in all sorts of different ways. I wonder if God wanted to grab your attention today, how would he do it? So God grabs the attention of the Magi, and listen to this, in response, they go searching for the Messiah. And perhaps you're here today, and you know God's been trying to grab your attention, but you're just sitting back saying, well, God... You've got to do something a little bit more impressive than that. God, you've got to do something more amazing than that. My challenge to you today is start searching for him. He's revealed himself to you. He's on your case. He's grabbing your attention. The ball's in your court. You go and hunt him down. Yep. So maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, I do believe that, you know, God is probably there. But I've got so many questions about life. I've got so many questions about evil. I've got so many questions about how things happen and stuff like that. Can I encourage you? Don't just not ask those questions. Go and ask those questions. Go and find people and have debates with them. Have discussions with them. We're starting Alpha courses in January. We're going to have one in Rotherhive, one in Bermondsey, one in New Cross. Get on, a, on an alpha course and start asking your questions. Go and hunt him down. Maybe you've got an addiction that you just need to shake off. Maybe it just started by having one drink a couple of times a week and then it was one drink every day and now you're thinking, I, I just can't not drink. Well, go and hunt him down. Cry out. Say, God, I need you. You're grabbing my attention. I know things aren't right and help me. And come to the church and say, will you help me? Maybe you're in sin. There's sin in your life and you know that you're not doing what God wants you to do. Can I say, just confess your sin. He's so good. He's so faithful. He gives you a second chance and he says, look, you, your sins can be completely wiped clean. Don't, my, 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 my kind of, uh, what I want you to do is not just sit back and say, well, God might have spoken to me once, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Go and search him out like the Magi's did. And so they go, the Magi's go to Jerusalem and they <clears throat> ask King Herod, where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Sorry. <coughs> can, I just, can you just turn this down a second? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going to cough. <coughs> okay, thank you. And so Herod says, they, he consults his wise men and says, well, he's probably in, in Bethlehem, in Judea, go and find him. So they go out 
and uh, the star appears again. And this is the first time they actually follow the star. The star starts moving. They follow. It stops in Bethlehem above a house. And they go into the house and they see Jesus there. And, and it says they bowed down and they worshipped him. And then they give their gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. Do you know when you meet someone that you respect, there's different levels of respect you can show. You might shake their hand and say, I'm really honoured to meet you. You might feel it's appropriate to bow or curtsy if you're in the presence of royalty or something like that. In some cultures, you literally, you get on your knees and you get down low to say, actually, you're more important than I am. But the Magi do something far more than that. It says they bowed down and they worshipped Jesus. They worshipped him. And by doing that, they were saying, you're, Jesus, you're more important than anything. You're not just the king of the Jews. You're our king. You're not just a king. You're God. You are worthy of worship. And so then they give their gifts to him. And can I say, when you meet the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the most appropriate thing you can do is bow down and worship him. He's the one who created it all, and he's come to rescue you. What else can you do but worship him? And then when you're worshiping him, you say, God, I give you everything. Jesus, my whole life, everything I have, I give to you. That's the appropriate response when we come, come before the Messiah. And I'm going to start concluding now. I wonder, Joe, would you mind coming up? I want to conclude by saying this. There is no halfway house in the Christian message. Either we are here because we got impossibly lucky or this universe has been created. And I believe the logical and reasonable conclusion is that God created us. All the evidence is there to be seen. The message of Christianity is that a, the creator loved his creatures, his creation. In particular, he loved mankind, who he made in his image. And yet mankind got itself into all sorts of trouble because it loved sin and it loved to break the laws of God. Have you ever noticed that everything else in creation keeps to the law of God except human beings? And we love to break the law of God and go against the law of God. So God, in his great love for us, sends his Messiah, sends his Son, sends Jesus Christ to shine light into our darkness and to save us from our sin. So today, if God is trying to get your attention, if he's trying to call you to himself, get up and find him. If you need to ask questions, ask whoever you want. Come and ask questions. Sign up to Alpha. If, you, if you're just desperate, cry out to him for help. Don't leave this room. We're going to be praying for people at the end of the service. Come and, and, and ask for help. If you're in sin, confess your sin. Say, God, I don't want to go against your laws anymore. I don't want to go against who you are. You're such a good God. Confess your sin and he's faithful and just 
to forgive us our sins. And finally, do whatever you need to do to get to Jesus. When you find him, bow down, worship, give him everything you have. Shall we stand together?